0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, well, we have been going through the post-resurrection um, appearances of Jesus, and, and you, you might be thinking, why are we still talking about the resurrection? Well, the resurrection just happened, what, th- what, three weeks ago, you know, and uh, Jesus was on earth for, for 40 days. And the Gospels give, you know, lots of geography here um, regarding the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And you might be thinking, well, isn't this kind of anticlimactic? I mean, Jesus was dead. He was buried. He rose again. I mean, that's the end of the war. And uh, what what does these post-resurrection appearances really contribute to the whole I think a, a helpful analogy is uh, so, so. I'm lowbrow, so you guys will have to forgive me here, because I haven't read Lord of the Rings. I've only seen the movies. But if you remember, at the end of you know, after Sauron was defeated, uh, they go back to the the Shire, and and there the the hobbits are on the shores as as Frodo is going to leave, and and Frodo tells everybody, you know, the Shire was saved, but it wasn't saved for me. And these post-resurrection appearances basically tell the audience, tell us how the disciples are supposed to live now in the wake of this resurrection. And Jesus is putting the pieces back together, especially of his broken disciples' lives.
1: Well, Acts Acts chapter 1, verse 3 speaks of uh, Christ. He presented himself alive to them after suffering many proofs. And King James Version says many infallible proofs. Mm-hmm. So the the resurrection appearances are the multiplicity of the proofs that he was truly dead and yeah. truly came alive. You know, which is the most. This is most important. Yeah. The resurrection proves that his death was sufficient for each one of us. That's right.
0: Yep. Well, shall we begin then? Um, in John chapter twenty-one. Uh, let's go ahead
2: and read verses 1 through 14. Russ, you want to read those? After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, I remember teaching this
0: passage um, a couple, three years ago, and I, I know that commentators are, are split on what's going on here. So um, I, I want to offer my opinion, and it might be wrong. But when Jesus, when Peter says, you know, I'm going to go fishing here, it seems to me that he is a bit discouraged still. He saw Jesus be raised from the dead, no doubt. But, but Jesus told them to go to Galilee and wait for him there.
1: Right, in Matthew chapter 28, mm-hmm. <laughs> after his resurrection – uh, they he, he tells them uh, this very thing. He he says. Then Jesus said to the the women at the tomb, "Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Je- Galilee, and there they will see me." Yep. I think that what's happening is Peter is being Peter. Peter is impatient. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's being pa- impatient. He's in he's in Galilee. Yeah. He hasn't sh- Jesus hasn't showed up yet. <laughs> and he's and he says, "Look, I'm I'm guys. I'm going fishing." Yeah. Which was his trade. Yeah. And that was their his trade. Well, it was so. certainly
0: his trade before he started walking yeah. with Jesus. Right. I mean, uh, I don't know how much fishing he did when. No, you know, right. during exactly. those three years of ministry. Yeah.
3: Sure. But, well, you know, and, and also, you know, when, when you've just been through a traumatic experience, and even though J- Peter has seen the risen Lord, this is still, you know, a tremendously upsetting, this is a kind of experience that would turn your life upside down. Yeah. And there's a very common impulse after an experience like that to want to do something familiar. Yeah. Well, and they they didn't.
0: I mean, the, my my opinion is the disciples didn't know what his resurrection really meant yet. Yes. So they expected him to be a, a king that was going to conquer Rome. Now he died. Now they he rose, and that's like, oh, they, they were elated, no doubt. That they disbelieved for joy. Luke's gospel says, right. but now, like, now what? I mean, one of the things that D.A. Carson points out about this passage, he says, it's, impo- it's impossible to imagine any of this taking place after uh, Acts, after Pentecost. So the disciples going back right. to fishing. Uh, there is neither the joy nor the assurance, not to mention the sense of mission that characterized the church when freshly endowed with the promised spirit. So there's like, this is like the in between time.
1: Uh, and I, I would agree with that. You know, after the after Pentecost, you know, pre- uh, Peter's got boldness. He's at, he's in Jerusalem where Jesus was resurrected and and crucified, and he's proclaiming the resurrection. And he's turning up the city upside down with the teaching that this has happened. Mm-hmm. But before then, yes, there's an maybe. There's a certain impatience. Maybe there's. A, phil has said you know there's a in a sense there's a, a huge letdown you know I mean it's it's the same thing with elijah on mount carmel you know he then he goes off <laughs> by himself and, and he says woe is me it's just right. me right uh, there's a there's a sense in which there is a letdown and he's and and you can you can actually experience that in the life of peter yeah yep
2: i i think a legitimate question is i mean Let me back up and just say it this way. When you read this account, you have to read it in in the fullness of of everything else that the gospel writers have told us. And so you can't read this as a standalone story. You read it in the context of Jesus' entire encounters with with Peter. And what was the initial encounter? That Peter is with his boats, Mm -hmm. and Jesus says, you're no longer going to be a fisherman In that sense, from here on out, you're going to be a fisherman of men. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I think you really have to ask the question, what is Peter doing back in a boat? Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, He understood the call that Jesus placed upon his life. Mm -hmm. He got it and said, this is not my life anymore. This isn't what defines me. I'm defined now by the call that Jesus placed upon me. Mm -hmm. And so for him to be back in a boat is Peter at least in some level saying I'm going to revert yeah. my identity back to what I was mm-hmm. not what Jesus now has made me to be yeah yeah i yeah and
1: and i think that just goes with the impatience of Peter mm-hmm. he's always acting before he thinks and he acts first then he thinks later you know he he cuts off Simon Malchus's ear in the in the garden when Jesus is arrested you know when um, and you know because he's he's always immediate he's always acting, and yeah. um, this is one of the things that you see him doing. He's an imp- he's an impatient person yeah. that God uses that personality go you know and pushes him into the world as as an apostle yeah. as a, as a missionary. I,
0: th- I think part of it too. This is before Peter's restoration. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I'm
1: so- not sure because um, you know. Um, if you if you go back to the the time on the Emmaus road while they you know it said that he they, he's Peter. already pe- met with Peter so right. I he, Peter's already but we don't know one, what, we don't know what that, was said there though the one yeah we don't know what was said but the one who denied Jesus who receives a visit from him immediately which would have proclaimed forgiveness to him mm-hmm. yeah so he knows that much
0: I I agree with that I I okay as a, as a Christian though I can feel. That I've been forgiven by God, and yet still disqualified my mission. And I, I, I do agree with what Carson and what Russ has said here. I feel like that that he believes that Jesus loves him, but kind of as a as just junior Christian, <laughs> that now his service seems to kind of be, you know, he's he's very quick to go back to fishing, and so p- picking up there, what what happens after this?
3: Well, I think well, there's something you know. remarkable that that happens here. Because I think Russ is right that Peter feels like a failure. He's going to go back to his original vocation. And Jesus is so tender. Um, and very in, in contrast to Peter's impatience, Jesus is incredibly patient. And he says, let's have breakfast. Uh, there's something intimate about sharing a meal together. Uh, share, sharing meals uh, was obviously very significant uh, for Jesus. He gave us uh, a meal to uh, continue to remember him. And when he says to these weary uh, disciples who are really confused and uh, don't know uh, what to do next, and that's I think that's why Peter's gone back to fishing, he doesn't know what to do next. Right. So let's do something familiar. And Jesus very patiently says, let's have breakfast. And uh, they sit down for a meal, and it's in the context of that meal uh, that then Jesus goes to the deeper issues. One, one other thing I'd like to comment on in this, uh, this account, is, says they brought on board in verse 10, they brought ashore, they hauled ashore a f- the full net of fish, and 153 of them. And you can read a lot of different commentaries that will speculate about the symbolism of 153, that that must have some great symbolic significance. My personal opinion is that it says there was 153 because there was 153. (laughs) Well, that's profound.
0: Well, (laughs) well,
3: (laughs) and, and if you... If you had just had breakfast with the risen Jesus, and if he had told you to drop your net on the other side, and you brought in this full load of fish, believe me, you would remember that day, and you would remember exactly how many fish you caught.
1: There are there are significant events like that you know where yeah. somebody will say I scored this much on the golf course I did this you know I mean <laughs> yes. there's some da- so there's some numbers that never leave your mind Yeah, that's exactly and, right and this is one of them it, you know that that impatience or of Peter <laughs> that impetuosity you know he throws himself into the water you guys are not rowing fast enough and he's, <laughs> he's going to get there first. So this is Peter that we're we're seeing and I and I do think that uh, you know he he's been forgiven but like like you mentioned Josh you know, sometimes people don't feel forgiven they have to be taken to that text that yeah. says if you confess your sins, yeah. he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And I think that, you know, sometimes we're slow learners. And I've said before, these are the disciples, and, and Peter is one of them in this case, and he's a slow learner in this, But he's, but the Lord is going to meet him several times. That's right. Amen.
0: Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that uh, this program has been edifying to you. By the way, check out ReformationBoise.com because we just got word that our speakers this year have, what's the word? Um, Agreed agreed to come September 17th and 18th. Dr. Robert Godfrey, Dr. Terry Johnson. I believe you can register on the website, ReformationBoise.com. We will see you next time.